Welcome to Wednesday. I'm Dooner, and that's the dude. Hey, good Wednesday afternoon from Freight Alley, everybody. What's on your mind today, my brother? <laughs> I was watching. Uh, <laughs> I was watching that Apple event yesterday, right? Ooh, they they yeah. kind of like they've lost their fanfare. They've lost their magic in the in the post Steve Jobs really? era. But yeah. you know, we always talk yeah. about data, and the data shows that Tim Cook has done a great job driving this company. But I got to say, like the events, every time they're just diminishing returns. And this year, the iPhone 13. I'm watching the event, and it was. It was so dystopian in a lot of ways because you didn't. First of all, you don't have Steve Jobs just being up there, being the performer that he is. Talking yeah, about. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so not he the just same did charisma. A, such a good job of himself. Yeah, you can't like write that as copy really yeah, well. No. So at this event, they have like it was virtual, so they just kept cutting to different like product designers and stuff reading uh, teleprompters about what the features <laughs> were. But it was really like in sports games, like when whenever Madden comes out each year, they always decree the game. And they go, oh, "It's just a roster update. You didn't put anything new." Yeah, it seemed like this for the for the iPhone. You didn't really get much. I don't think you even got USB-C connectivity. I think that's on the, the iPad. Um, I don't think you got that low that low orbit satellite calling that's, that there were some rumors about. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got, hey, it's not uh, iPhone. But, but you got a dramatically more powerful camera, my friend. Did you know that? The cameras are good. It was dramatically and an all new OELD display with promo with promotion. Well, we can have some fun with one if if, if uh, maybe Freightways gets us one. It has this dramatic effect where like does it? You know, like the mystery style effect where if the camera is on me looking at the camera, I would yeah. be in frame. Then I look at you and it would immediately zoom in on you. Oh, is that then right? I look back, yeah, like mystery well, that's style. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and if we could have production put some stingers like in like the duns, that would be I great. Like. I don't know when I would use it, but yeah, hey, I love it. Know what it is? It's the middle of Driver Appreciation Week. What have you done so far? Hopefully something good, right? Yeah, I have. I've thanked a couple drivers. Actually, you I think I asked you. No, I did not. I'm glad you did. I thanked a couple <laughs> delivery drivers. Actually, one this morning. Well, perfect. Well, <laughs> I said I didn't. I didn't. Know, I, thanked, I had no um, clue why I thanked him. I said it's your appreciation. He goes really. I, said, I yeah. thanked Daniel Pickett when he drove by my house this morning. He was he driving a truck? Was he driving <laughs> his Tundra? Get truck. He's driving his Tundra. Uh, Daniel Pickett. He does a lot of our data stuff on the, on the back end here. <laughs> on uh, today's episode, we are going to be talking to locomotion driver DJ Hoff about what autonomous convoys mean for drivers. Really interesting topic they approached us with. They said, you know, we know it's Driver Appreciation Week. We want to talk to you about how being an autonomous safety driver is falls in line with that. And I think DJ Hoff has a great story that'll tell it. E-commerce week is back in Los Angeles. Hawk Media founder and CEO Eric Huberman. He's going to get us into the up to date on the inner workings of e-commerce, TikTok, mm. all those kind of things. Yeah. We got Vets to Trucking owner and owner-operator himself, Ivan Hernandez. He's going to celebrate National Truck Driver Appreciation Week with us, and he's going to discuss the importance of veterans in trucking and how uh, the industry can show that it cares this week. Yeah, awesome. Also, Hope move. White, she's back. HG White Logistics, oh, Hope White moving too long. in reefers. We're talking about how some container ships are named after the Pats, a, a crazy video of a BMW driving under a truck. It's what the <laughs> truck. You know it's going to be good. Let's tip the yeah. band first, though. Autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall if you're ready to seize it. Start reengineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact Locomation at Tell em, Dude. Hey, go to locomation.ai for turnkey solutions immediately after this show. Headlines. What do we got going on? Hey, another broken record. 
Uh, record <laughs> August hints at a turbocharged remainder of 2021, Virginia Port Authority says. I think we can all agree with that. We think this yes. entire year is kind of a, a wash in terms of congestion, especially as we set uh, another record. 56 container ships at anchor just Is it 56 now? 56 <laughs> now. Uh, was the over-under? 57.5? It was 47 so. and a half, and then we Last went to 57. Yeah. This week, 57 and a half. Yeah. I think we're going to beat it today. I think you're right. Uh, Joanna Marso, she reports the Virginia Port Authorities anticipate that the volume strength seen in August will persist through the remainder of 2021. Stephen A. Edwards, he's Virginia Port Authority CEO and Executive Director. He's, we got a quote from him. He says, we are nearing the height of peak season and do not anticipate a let-up before year's end. Knowing that, we are focusing on remaining agile and fluid in our operations and continue to invest in new assets that will increase our efficiency. Good, yeah. they're needed. Indeed, August was a strong month for the Port of Virginia in Norfolk with the port complex handling 24.1% more volume than a year ago. Mm. A quarter percent more. That's significant. Or, or 25% more, <laughs> not a quarter percent. Yeah. That's amazing. Last month was the busiest August on record and the second most productive month in the port's history. I would hope it was very mm. productive with all that stuff going through there. Our August volume would have been even stronger, but there were some disruptions in vessel schedules that were pushed back out into September. Otherwise, it would have been more. Well, I like that, too. He just came. He couldn't even take the W without being like, you know what? And it would have been even better. Yeah, we could have. I could have scored 107 had That's, they not canceled the know, data. I mean, the data's already showed us this, and now we got the the people that actually handle this stuff confirming what we've already been seeing, and that's yeah. these record volumes that are going into ports. We need a, uh, you know, we need faster moving ports and more. Uh, and we're, I don't know about if more capacity is going to help, but we'll get into it. Edward yeah, said we'll the, ports, <laughs> the port, we'll talk about that when we talk about the Ever Ace, the world's right. largest container ship actually just went to the Suez today and it did not get stuck. So little spoiler there. But Edward said the, the port's operations and model contributes to the port's growth. In the model, VPA acts as both a terminal owner and operator, which helps them stay agile and responsive when ocean carriers and cargo owners face congestion and delays like they do right now. So tough situation over there. You know where it's yeah. not right now, though? The warehouse space, ton of money flowing. <laughs> In there, we got two quick stories on that. The first one I got is Locus Robotics. They've bagged $50 million from Tiger Global. Brian Strait reports that Locus announced Tuesday morning, that was just yesterday, it had secured $50 million in additional funding from Tiger Global. The funding follows a $150 million Series E round in February, so not that long ago. And I was thinking when I first saw this story, yeah, because I know we talked to them about it, wasn't that Tiger? And in fact, it was Tiger who was there in February along with IT and investment yes. firm Bond. The new investment increases the total funding for Wilmington, Massachusetts-based Locust Robotics up to $310 million. Um, more than <laughs> 1 million warehouse, so this is kind of the market here, more than 1 million warehouse robots will be installed worldwide over the next year, Michael Vincent, with the uh, with that expected to explode. But right now, automation is only in 5 to 10% of warehouses. So Wide open. The Wide market's open space. Un it's underpenetrated at the moment. Can we roboticize ourselves and then maybe we could. could capture some of that market? I believe this is another uh, Brian Strait story. The warehouse newest unicorn store down in Atlanta. They sure. reached $1.1 billion valuation. The Atlanta-based company announced a $90 million Series D funding round Tuesday evening, bringing the total fund uh, funding for the company to $205 million and a new money valuation of $1.1 billion dollars. The supply chain is a new competitive battleground, says Sean Henry, the stored CEO and co-founder. Uh, he goes on to say that today's buying expectations set by Air, uh, Amazon and the rise of the omni-channel shopper have placed immense pressure on companies to maintain more nimble and efficient supply chains, and that's exactly what they're providing. I mean, that's that's uh, the copy, right? If someone needed a two cents copy on what's been going on in the supply chain the past yeah. two years, there it is, and now yep. you're seeing where the money's going, so you've seen the data, and now the money's going, it's going into 
the warehouses. You know where else some good money went recently? And somehow it has something to do with the New England Patriots, although I don't know if they got royalties from this company. And if I was was defending their IP, I'd be right on top of this. So Investor scores a fortune selling container ships named after the New England Patriots. That's right. Greg Miller reports New York-based Mangrove Partners, which acquired seven container ships with values when values were depressed back in 2017, 2018. They just unloaded all six of them. So that investment has really panned out for them. Get this. The six container ships, they were bought for an aggregated price of around $62 million. A bargain. They sold them for between 348 to $358 million plus, so almost $300 million in profit. And the only, that $10 million right there is just, you know, negotiating back and forth on what these final, uh, what the final So you say they're patriots, right? But it's yeah. a man, it's a, it's a time-honored tradition that they're, that vessels are a female. Usually. Right? And either given a female name or a non-gender name. Yeah. But here, Mangrove opted for the testosterone instead. And once Mangrove purchased its ships, it renamed them after the former and current members of New England Patriots. So, as you can expect... MP the Bilicic, named after Mangrove Partners and Pat's head coach, Bill Bilicic, built in 2006, 5,000 TEUs, right? Mm-hmm. The M- MP the Brady, named after former Pat's quarterback, Tom Brady, obviously. Uh, and now the quarterback, uh, he just won with uh, Tampa Bay and still yeah. going strong, as you said. Sure He's same exact Same exact TEU size on those ships, though. They're both yeah. uh, 5,060 TEUs. They yeah. also went after Julian Ed- Edelman, Willie McGinnis with the McGinnis. They had Ty Law in there, uh, rest of the container ships. They've also built their Chinese bulkers, and they're also named them after Patriots. They had uh, the Brewski, the Kraft after the Pat's owner. They had uh, the Hightower after Donta Hightower, Vrabel after, uh, what is it, Titans coach now, Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Uh, the Harrison after Rodney Harrison, and the Vinatieri after Adam Vinatieri. But, yeah, I don't know if they got a penny for this sale, though. Maybe they should. I don't know. They should have. I, I, I would be pushing for it, man. Yeah. You know what I want to find out? What it's like to be an autonomous truck safety driver. So oh, good thing we have yeah. DJ Hoff here. He's with Locomation, and he is an autonomous safety truck driver over there. In fact, he's driven trucks for over two decades, and he has over 1.2 million accident-free miles on the road. DJ, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Hey, I love Excited the back- to be here. I love the backdrop, too. Are you over at Locomation headquarters right now? No, so we're we're actually out uh, outside of Columbus at one of our test trucks right now, doing some testing on our autonomous trucks. Wow, very cool. Yeah, very cool, very very cool. So you've been there for over two days. So uh, how did you end up at Locomation? How did you become one of these uh, test drivers? Yeah, so as uh, Tim mentioned, I've been a truck driver for twenty five years. You know, well over a million miles accident free driving. Uh, I was twenty two years at a previous carrier. Uh, my last five years there started to become a driver trainer for uh, new employees and new hires and started to see the challenge of uh, the truck driving shortage that is out there. I uh, started to think about different ways that that could be addressed. Uh, we were, I'm based in Pittsburgh. Locomation is a Pittsburgh-based company. Uh, saw them on the news one day and started to look into it. Applied on, they had a job for autonomous test driver and applied and here I am. So uh, uh, we're actually we're actually looking for some more test drivers. So if you're in the area, locomation.ai, check us out. Well, DJ, let me ask you then: What does that? What does someone in your position do? You've been doing it for two years. So driving traditional trucks prior to that, you jump behind the wheel of this new tech truck. Well, what, what's life like now? <clears throat> yeah, so I started out. Uh, we were a young company, started in 2018. I started in 2019. Uh, started out helping to build the trucks. Uh, locomation, they, you know, they value what your opinion is and, and 
encourage you to expand your knowledge and learn new things. Uh, actually helped build the trucks and then started to go to the test tracks. Uh, we scheduled some time at various test tracks, going to pilots across the country. And basically we're, we're helping the engineers to develop the trucks to mimic as close as possible to what we see out on the roads. That so, makes yeah, sense. It's exciting. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You're kind of this liaison between the driver and, and the engineers to try and teach them what's important, what's not important, that type of stuff. I would imagine there's a, a bit of it. What's the training needed? What's the background? You mentioned you had a million miles, et cetera. Is that what's needed? You're looking for drivers. What What is the background they need, and what kind of training uh, do you have to have? Yeah, so, we, so we have a training program we've developed. Uh, Lucas, one of our other drivers, he's the operations manager. He developed a driver training program. Uh, I'm starting to work on operational safety. Uh, that's There's Luke right there at the driver's wheel. Uh, this was on a pilot we did for out in Portland for Wilson Logistics. Uh, we traveled I-84 from Portland to Boise, which is, uh, for all the truck drivers out there, know that's a pretty challenging route. This was our first pilot we did for Wilson, which led to them to sign on to purchase you know over 1,100 trucks from us. Uh, over the over a five year period, uh, yeah. So our training program, uh, it's we don't have a set definition of time. It's it's ongoing. Uh, our technology is constantly changing, so we constantly go through uh, monthly training programs for different. The way the tech changes, we need to change the way we react to the robot truck. So we have an ongoing training program. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, you know, a lot of drivers are afraid that this type of technology is going to take them out of the truck. But mm. I see two two of you guys driving around there. And I'm also was looking at what you're putting together, which is Autonomous Relay Convoy. Now, what is Autonomous Relay Convoy and how does that work? Yeah, so I'll explain our approach a little bit here. And this is one of the main reasons why I came here is uh, I love this idea of what we're doing. So we're going with and because it's a safer route, uh, we're going with a four step approach is the way we like to call it, to full autonomy. Our first step's what we call convoy. Uh, it's going to be two trucks, two drivers. Uh, the second truck will be level four autonomous while the driver is resting. Uh, our second step is drone follower, which is one driver and two trucks. Third step will be we call hub to hub, which will be two level four autonomous trucks. And the fourth step will be dock to dock, which is many years away. Uh, I think that's the safest path to do it. So right now we're out here testing the convoying section of it. Uh, always have a human driver in the lead vehicle. Uh, so right now this is Luke driving in the rear uh, in autonomous mode. And that's me as the lead driver there. Uh, so once, so in the convoy mode, once the follower driver is resting and his off duty time has been reset, the vehicles will be able to switch places and the lead driver will then be able to take his time off duty. Uh, so we always have a human driver in the loop making the tough decisions that I personally don't believe that a computer is ready to make in, in the near future. Uh, so there's a fact, you know, there's a, the truck drivers out there know there's a thousand things that can happen on that road at any split second. And, I just attended a safety conference, and, and I kind of like to use these examples. Uh, just roadside inspections or if the police see an 
uh, a headlight out on a vehicle, they want the they want the ability to pull that truck over on the side of the road and mm-hmm. you know put it out of service. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're doing, we can we have an answer for that with our human driver and a lead truck. Uh, if if something is wrong and the human driver pulls over, the follower just follows him to the side of the road. Fully autonomous trucks don't have the ability to do that. And we feel this is the safest path to full autonomy and we can do this sooner. Nice. So DJ, yeah. Thanks for explaining the autonomous uh, relay uh, convoy. I guess that's ARC is what you guys call it. The ARC. Is that a viable career path for a current driver today? Is this soon? Yeah. So this is, this is what's important to me. And I try to keep the truck driver in the back of my mind all the time. Uh, I want this to be a a premium job for truck drivers out there. Um, So with the autonomous relay network, so this is going to help the drivers be able to be home more often, operate safer vehicles, and make more money. Uh, If the carriers are operating the trucks right now, average 10 to 12 hours a day, truck is moving on the highway if what we're doing can double that to 20 hours a day the carriers are going to see like an immediate improvement to their bottom line and that will be changed over will be passed along to the driver as well so i want it to be a premium pay position for the drivers and i think what we're doing with the digital transportation system too which is a a complete product of load planning dispatching route optimization to put the convoy trucks to work in the most most efficient way. So we'll come in and analyze the carrier's load capacity, see where improvements can be made in their lanes, and relay loads between points to get drivers back home, uh, which is one of the biggest complaints about truck drivers, right? I mean, how home time, money, and if we can improve that, I think we can make truck driving a better job. And, yeah, and get I, more young people, right? And get more young people interested in into this career. Sure, Which, sure, sure thing, DJ. Hey, DJ, before we let you go, and and of course, yeah, we got to attract younger people to this field. You know, average age is like fifty five. Right? I read your blog yeah. as well, which you can check out on Locomation. But yeah. right before we let you go, it's you've been a truck driver. You're still a truck driver. It's Truck Driver Appreciation Week. Any message to the other drivers out there? Yeah, uh, don't be afraid of autonomous trucks. Uh, it's this is many years away from from reality. Um, what we're doing, what Locomation is doing, you'll, we're the only autonomous company that's still talking about drivers out there. Mm. So keep your driver's record safe, clean and, and be safe out there. Love it. And, hey. and if you see me on the road, wave. Wave. All right. Well, if I give you this, you better beep the horn too. That's it. Yep. All yeah, right. Can they put that in the <laughs> autonomous truck so that they just beep the horn if you go oh, like I've this? If they notice somebody doing that, they you know what? I got some. En- I got some engineers back here. We can work on it. Nice. Please do we that. need a horn you. tones instead of ringtones. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, DJ. Drive safe out there, brother. Thank you, guys. Hey, so Eric Huberman, talk about people coming back. So Eric Huberman's back. He's a founder and CEO it. over at yeah. Hawk Media. And if I understand correctly, uh, either yesterday or today, he was just talking to Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. Get Eric, is that true? Were you just talking to my friends Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart? You know, funny enough, uh, we've done a bunch of work with them, but I ducked out early, so I didn't see them this week. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask what they were cooking up. What, that show, their cooking show was awesome. 
no, yeah, they're 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 both fun people. And Martha's had me speak at her own conference a couple of times. Snoop, we've done some stuff with, so they're they're fun. But yeah, this time I didn't get to hang out with them. Well, what's new in marketing? Because I know that you have you are going to be speaking at an event that's coming up, Ecom Week, over in yep. Los Angeles. And I I did take a peek at the agenda, and I saw that uh, you'd be keying in on TikTok tactics this time. Is that true, Eric? That is true. <laughs> so tell us <laughs> yeah, about no, the event. Yeah, so uh, Ecom Week, it's going to be uh, about two weeks from today. So it starts Monday, the 27th of September. And we are basically, this came from trying to bring together the e-commerce community. We found that there's a ton of people in this business, but there wasn't a lot that was bringing together. We started doing these kind of events uh, eight years ago. And so two years ago, we called the city of LA and Mayor Garcetti and said, hey, New York has Fashion Week. LA is the best place to launch an e-commerce brand. Why don't we like actually back this with the city, do something cool about it? And so we got an official declaration from the city of LA that it is the October 1st week every year is e-commerce week in LA um, and started putting together plans. And then like a lot of plans, they got a little fumbled because of COVID. So we went virtual with it. Now, here's the fun part. Our biggest event we ever hosted pre-COVID was about 600 people, a bunch of different e-com CEOs, et cetera. Mm. When we did it virtually last year, our first event was 7,400. So nice. after seeing that, we went, all right, so obviously virtually it's easier to tap into, but still like we're reaching a much bigger audience. So this year we're expecting over 10,000, got incredible speakers like Rob Deerdeck, Patrick Schwarzenegger, a lot of amazing founders of different major e-commerce brands like FabFitFun and Theragun. And uh, yeah, just really trying to bring in as many people as possible because we, we do this as a give back. We want to bring the community together. We want to help uh, people that are tr- up and coming learn from some of the best. And so we make it free and you just have to go to ecomweek.la. Yeah, Eric. Hey, welcome back to the show. I, I actually uh, RSVP'd myself this morning. I can't wait to look at Sweet. it. And, and it is great because you got a very clear agenda what's going on. I can tune in for an hour here and grab the pieces and and, and, and eat it or uh, digest it the way I, I, I want to digest it and just be some parts. But the TikTok is one of the things that I'm going to be watching there quite a bit. And it, now it's like more viewership than, than, than even YouTube. And most people, when you talk to TikTok for advertising, really, can you give us some insight there? What do we need to know? Yeah, no, I mean, we've been saying it for a while. So we were the first official agency partner to TikTok. Um, and the reason is we see the, the way advertising works and how we look at it is very different than how it was a decade ago. So when you're looking to advertise, it used to be, where's my demo? I'm trying to be where my people are looking. These days, that's easy. You go on Facebook or Instagram or Google or your, your audience is easy to find. The hard part is context. What are they doing when I advertise to them? And the reason Facebook and Instagram have been so proliferated is because generally people are doing nothing productive. They're sitting on there, they're scrolling, they're not doing anything interesting. And so if you show them an ad, you're reaching exactly your customer because that's, again, easy to do on these platforms. They have great targeting. And you're reaching them at a time when they're basically saying, I'm bored and just looking through stuff. The difference is Instagram and Facebook have become because of their algorithm, they've become actually a little more targeted that people are looking at what their friends are doing. And they're a lot of times actually trying to get updates with the people around them. TikTok is just a cluster of whatever. It's just like straight entertainment. And so we've seen for a while, it's a similar sort of experience of you're just scrolling, doing nothing productive, but it's even more random, which means that the user is used to seeing a bunch of random stuff so that when you insert yourself there, if you have great creative, like you're actually made a great advertisement and can catch their attention, you have a high chance of actually getting someone to engage with you because they're just scrolling through. So when we saw that originally, we 
were felt very strongly that as long as TikTok gets through at the time, the political stuff they were dealing with and figures out their advertising, the targeting side of things, it'll start to become very lucrative for advertisers. And we've started to see that, that they're really building out their ad platform in a great way. And they're, they're doing it the right way. And they've kept their algorithm the way it is in terms of this almost random, you're interested in something right now, we're going to show you that right now, which can help serve the right ads. So as they build out that ad platform more and more and get more data on their customers, I think it's going to be, it may surpass Facebook and Instagram as an advertising channel. Now, Eric, every time I get an email from a brand these days that mentions shipping delays, my uh, mm. my smile curls a little bit like the like the Grinch. And I'm like, our worlds are colliding, Eric, e-commerce and, and the worlds of shipping and supply chain. Because it's been tough, right? Yep. There's been more buyers, more ways to reach people than ever. But all your partners, too, that are doing all this advertising, they're also getting killed on the on the shipping side of it, right? Having trouble yep. reaching customers, you're bringing all this stuff in. What, what are you hearing from some e-commerce brands about some of the struggles of operating in the past year that it's all supply chain like sales and marketing has not been an issue because people have been just you know we've been throwing money out of a helicopter to the masses <laughs> from the government so uh, that hasn't actually been an issue people have money they're trying to spend it so all those that's going well it's you like we we invested in a uh, direct-to-consumer plant company that is crushing it except for they can't get pots for their plants so we're you know we're trying to get it overseas we're trying to help in a lot of ways but you can't you can't get shipping containers. What I'm hearing now in terms of overseas logistics is people are getting shipping containers. They're putting their stuff on. They're going to ship it, and then someone comes in and offers more to the container mm-hmm. company, and they're unloading all the stuff off the container <laughs> and loading up the competitor. So like it's it is so competitive right now. And then I mean I fly around uh, LA a lot. I'm getting my pilot's license, so I fly over the port. And you just see tons of container ships just sitting out there because it's so backlogged, they can't get in. And the problem is the backlog, it's like this like snowball effect. It continues to be backlogged, which continues to make it worse. Like, frankly, my wife hasn't had a car in eight months because when she got rid of her lease, we were like, ah, we have a little time. We'll get to it. And we waited a couple months. And then the chip shortage happened. Now, I've been trying to get the same car that we ordered, you know, six months ago. I think we might get it this week, but they don't even know. It's sitting on the ship. It's here. And it's like, it's that way with a lot of our uh, customers too, where they just can't get products in. So if you're manufacturing domestically, I think that's actually been okay. And we're seeing a lot of companies, you know, do some emergency manufacturing switches to either domestically or even Mexico to try to make it so they don't have to deal with that. But the, the logistics side has been a nightmare for a lot of these guys. So, so Eric, the logistics side is a nightmare, but the logistics of, of marketing has got to be affected by this too, right? So, mm-hmm. like, holiday marketing is key and crucial timing that you've got to do. Sure. That timing's all screwed up now. I mean, we, you know, we've got prime days in July, yeah. right? So, <laughs> right. How, how is this affecting the marketing? It's, it can't be normal anymore, right? What channels do you have to go through, and how do you, how do you get this done now? Well, so honestly, marketing hasn't shifted that much. You're always watching the moving target with marketing because like TikTok, that comes up and you want to test it out. But honestly, the things that I did for my e-commerce companies a decade ago are still probably 80, 75, 80% of what you're doing today. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have to ship times. You have to shift certain in nuances of that, the way you message, et cetera. All that comes to play. But like, you know, Dollar Shave Club, pro- that video probably would have gotten canceled at this point. But uh you know, a decade ago, it was viral. So, and you can't even go viral anymore because these platforms don't allow you to. So there's, listen, there's nuances and changes, but things like Prime Day happening, like that just means that we have to prep our Amazon clients to be ready for a big sale day. And if they get selected to be a part of Prime Day, they see a lot of volume. And again, back to the point, like it's really supply that has been the issue. Marketing is very similar. And what happened in marketing 
during this whole pandemic and everything is like the the percentage of consumer spending that online was 13% pre Q2 of last year. And it went to 30% once the pandemic hit. And now it's subsided to about 25%, but still you have about double the market share of consumer spending online. So if you're doing anything decently right as a digital business, you're making a lot of money. It's just, you have to have the supply to fulfill that too. Yeah, I mean, the one place you've seen sort of some weirdness between the the marketing and um, the product and the brands is especially with a lot of movie tie-ins because so many movies mm. got pushed off. Like McDonald's, yeah. my kids got Happy Meals like a month or two ago and you're getting Happy Meals for a movie that isn't that was supposed to have come out already, but they pushed it back. <laughs> and it's not even out until next year now, but they're like, you know what? Forget it. We're not sitting on some... There's a Ghostbusters Lego set that was supposed to align with the Ghostbusters movie. They're like, you know what? We're not sitting on all this stock. We got to put it out there. (laughs) Hey, so before we let you go, how do people register for this event so they can get more information on the wild world of e-commerce marketing? Yeah, it's super easy. Just ecomweek.la. So E-C-O-M-W-E-E-K dot L-A. Thank you one more time, Eric. Have a great time at the event. Thank you, guys. Good stuff. So, hey, oh, yeah. you know what's funny, too? I we When we moved into the house, we got um, we got a couch for the kids' playroom. And yeah. it's like this magnetic couch, like a pillow fort kind of couch. I forget the oh, exact really, name. Really? Boppy, maybe? No, not Boppy. I'm not sure. There's a couple different companies. But those e-commerce companies, there's a few of them. They started on, on Kickstarter. They did gangbusters. Uh-huh. A lot of trouble filling those orders now, though, because what they costed out, their cost of goods, when they started these Kickstarter campaigns a year and a year <clears> and a half ago, now they got to go fulfill them. Big issue because it's way more expensive than it was money, before. Their margins are seriously compressed. Big yes. and bulky, these ah. couches. So people make the mistake. They go, well, these pillow couches, they're not heavy. So how much could they cost? They take up space. That's what you're paying for. Yeah. With these yeah. trucks, we got a gentleman now who knows a thing or two about taking up space. It's Ivan Hernandez. He's the owner <laughs> of Vets 2 Trucking. He's a veteran driver. He's a military veteran. And he's got the killer backdrop behind him right now with the double peace signs. What's up, my man? You know, it, man, I had to get ready for it. So just in case uh, the backdrop falls, uh, you know, I'm doing work in my office, obviously. Been on the road for so long, you know, I <laughs> can't get it, can't get it finished. <laughs> well, Ivan, I've been following you and your journey as a driver for a few years on LinkedIn now. And I know that this year you started the Vets2 Trucking uh, Initiative company. How does that work with your driving schedule? Get, get us up to date on what, um, what Vets is. Well, uh, Vets and Trucking, uh, originally I was a 2020 uh, winner for Transition Trucking. I retired in uh, 2019 um, and, uh, you know, just decided to transition over to the trucking industry. Uh, there was a competition uh, going on with uh, Kenworth Freight, uh, what is it, uh, Fastport. And, uh, you know, the, the Chamber of Commerce held by hiring our heroes. And uh, I ended up winning the truck. You know, so I opened up my own business. Uh, the one thing that I put out when I was uh, building my packet was helping, uh, you know, using this as a platform, helping the veterans, you know, transition post 9-11 veterans transition over to, you know, this, this side of the industry, not just trucking, but, you know, corporate or anything that they're able to do and help out the cause, you know. So uh, basically, that's what Bets to Trucking uh, stands for. You know, uh, we go live at the end of uh, this year with some videos on how to properly transition over to this, uh, what to look out for. Uh, what programs are out there that these companies help out, you know, with these veterans, uh, free college, you know, some grants out there and, you know, uh, an opportunity to, you know, get, get, you know, get your feet wet in this industry and help out. 
That's really interesting stuff, Ivan. So how, how, how do you reach out to these people? What do you go through? Are you going through like uh, uh, Dixon Group, I think, helps uh, military uh, move from military life to civilian life and trucking, that type of thing. But how do you reach actually out to those military uh, facilities to, to get those people coming out of the military? So my platform really uh, requires me. So the, the issue that there's been in the past is, uh, you know, a company will go down and recruit down to uh, different military posts. And of course, you're going to want to get that, you know, that uh, experience into your company. Uh, me, myself, you know, I actually represent the whole industry, trucking industry itself. Uh, once again, vets to trucking, that's what it's for. I don't represent just myself as a company. I represent all the companies out there and just get these folks out there. I go to military posts talk to these guys that are transitioning as well as, you know, on the road, you know, I've, uh, I've gotten a few that hit me up actually on LinkedIn, uh, as well as Facebook, you know, uh, I get into these, uh, trucking groups that are out there and, uh, a lot of it's just talking and letting them know my experience and, you know, what the expectations are. I mean, it's really not that hard to, uh, you know, transition over. Uh, it's just, you know, once in a while, there's always competition between these companies. And I think that's where I come in and I just kind of bridge that gap, built that bridge for them. It's like, listen, I'm a veteran myself, you know, and this is what I went through. These are good schools to go through. You know, these, you know, look at more into these. This is how you do your research on the companies and uh, take it from there, you know. So, Ivan. Speaking of LinkedIn, your opinion, you were recently talking about a day in the life of a truck driver driving and the frustrations at both the shipper and the receiver. Truck Driver Appreciation Week, um, instead of giving away a koozie, maybe a good time to make sure your shipping and receiving is better. <laughs> I don't know. But Ivan, yeah. how do you recruit people when the environment ain't that fun right now? What's a typical day like? Hey, listen, the typical day, and I think I had posted on there, I think the one of the waits, the longest waits that I've been on was seven hours. And uh, I actually went in there in the warehouse and was just kind of seeing what's going on, you know. And I saw two forklifts and uh, this uh, this peer of mine that was there, another truck driver, is that, man, it's a good day for them because they usually have one. <laughs> and I was like, wait, wow. what? You know, so... <laughs> So uh, it turns out the manager came down and apologized, you know, and this is a warehouse manager. You're talking about a suit and tie, you know, he comes down and uh, he actually jumped in one of the forklifts and started loading my stuff. And that's when I kind of realized that, you know what, I'm like, it's not just us waiting. You know, there's a lot of people out there that haven't, come, you know, returned back to work and uh, it's really, you know, low out there with uh, employees. So I kind of, that put in perspective that I shouldn't be mad. So I just, you know, I kind of just smiled and said, you know what? I'm not the only one. So, you know, it's one of those things, you know, that you got to bear with it right now. And, uh, you know, getting angry, it's not going to get you anywhere. It's just going to, it's just going to waste your time. Yeah. A little understanding and a little collaboration, a little teamwork will get some stuff done. Right. Uh, that's, that's a good way to, to there's look a guy at in things. every warehouse too, who just, he loves to jump on the forklift. There's that dude in every warehouse who likes oh, yeah. to go for the high slots. He likes to sure. impress you by getting things in places you never thought they could go as you yeah. think all the shelves are going to fall down. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I used to drive the forklift myself. Oh, that was you. I was never all that great. But that was him. I was, no, it was not me. I was never that talented to be able to do that stuff. But, so uh, tell us what's his what's uh, what's the what's the worst rest stop in America? You didn't like the scale house question? 
I, well, okay. Let's. I, I just. We can ask that one. What's the best thing about going to a scale house? Hey, you know what? As a matter of fact, so I actually uh, got a level three inspection. Uh, I think I posted it uh, probably a week ago, um, and I was actually excited to go through there because I, I'm like, you know what? I'm a new authority. I need to hurry it up and get my, you know, new entrance, you know, uh, you know, uh, verification and inspection. So I went in there with a smile. I was like, hey, you guys ready? You know, and they're like, whoa, wait, you know, what's going on here? Um, some of the things and I explained to them who I was. And actually, uh, the 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 who was it? The captain from the scale house. He actually uh, he actually invited me back to his office and we're looking at the data that what they look for and they kind of gave me another perspective you know so within the military you you tend to see the bigger picture on how everything works geopolitics you know once you get to a certain rank and coming out here transitioning over this side it's just i've been picking one bit at a time and trying to figure out what the whole picture looks like and uh, this actually helped out so it's it's one of those things you know you got to go out there and and hunt for it, you know, and, and just, you know, try and get it, you know? So I went through this inspection and I was not even phase one bit. I passed, you know, first time go. So I was pretty uh, stoked about it. And, uh, I look forward for another scale house, believe it or not. Uh, my, uh, my friend who was the 2019 winner, uh, we're in a competition right now and who's getting the most stickers, you know, and golden stars out there. So we're competing against each other. And a lot of these scale houses are like looking at us like, what, are you guys crazy or what? Wow, you look like <laughs> army generals, or you need like a college football helmet. Just stick the stickers all <laughs> yeah, over it, right? The wind's on over. there. Um, so I got to tell you, so you've been in the military and you've been trucking. Where have you encountered the, I'll, I'll do a spin on your question. Where have okay. you encountered the worst restroom? Well, in the military or while being a truck driver? I don't know. That's a tough one. You know, uh, <laughs> Afghanistan, we used to burn, we used to burn all our stuff, you know, <laughs> so I, I don't think you could do that over here. <laughs> no, but as far as, uh, you know, bad, uh, bad rest stops. I mean, I've actually, I kind of stopped in different areas and I have not yet seen like a really, really bad area. Uh, the Port of Johnson, the beginning, I think, uh, Pennsylvania was one of them that they had just closed everything off and, the next day, you know, Portage John started popping out, and it was like one to two Portage Johns for the whole rest stop, and it said, you know, dry, truck drivers only. And I was like, oh god, you know. But ever since then, I think uh, we all raised our hands and said, hey, this is not going to cut it, and it got fixed. Wow. Well, hey, Ivan, before uh, before we let you go and the speed dating rounds, they go by so so quick when we're here. But Truck Driver Appreciation Week, what kind of message would you like to give out to the drivers today? Hey, yeah, uh, thanks a lot for what you guys do, uh, my peers, you know, to my left and right, you know, you guys keep pushing America and, and keep happening, you know, it keeps happening. And, uh, I'm proud of this industry. I'm proud of every driver out there. Uh, we all have our different views, but at the end of the day, guess what? We put that rubber down and keep it between the lines and get the mission done. And thank you for what you guys do. Hey, I'll give you a little cowbell for that one, Ivan. Now, people who want to connect with you or with Vets to Trucking, where do I send them to? Okay, so my email address is uh, veterans, the number two, trucking at gmail.com. And you can reach me on LinkedIn at Vets to Trucking, uh, V-E-T-S, the number two in trucking. And we could actually connect through that way. Oh, wait, hold on. Before we let him go, you're, he's a first-timer. He's got to go to the yeah. wheel. Spin that wheel, yeah. Michael Vincent. Okay. Spin that you wheel. That. That's the wheel of stupid right. questions. 
first time on the show, we'll find okay. out the stupidest Here question you can come up Here with. Here we go. Here we go. You ready, Ivan? What do you got? What's the Let's close? What's the closest you've ever felt like an action hero while doing your job? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, actually, through the pandemic, uh, delivering uh, delivering paper and delivering products to New York, mask gowns, and I actually got to see how everything that I've hauled, paper wise, recyclable paper, and how it gets you know mashed up and broken down and built up to recycled into masks or gowns for the uh for doctors and first responders out there so that was very very interesting love it hey ivan thank you thank you so much and you heard it there first right you don't have to join the military to feel like an action hero you can and then you can become a truck driver you can can just become a truck driver and you could deliver some supplies during a pandemic a much-needed pandemic something that our next guest is very familiar with it's hope white she is the ceo at hd white logistics llc and hope it's been too long it's been like four months since i've last seen you what's up absolutely it's been a long time how have you guys been well, I got to ask you, mirror, mirror on Hope's wall, who is the baddest she-devil of them all? <laughs> I saw you leave a post on LinkedIn that every morning or when you need it, you like to psych yourself up by giving yourself a pep talk in the mirror, and you might do a little retail therapy. Tell me a little bit. What do you tell yourself? What do you, what do you level with Hope about in front of that mirror? So, absolutely. I have to quote my good old buddy, Ricky Bobby. Um, I wake up every morning and I piss excellence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. I love it. I love it. She's uh, she's on fire right now. Well, we, we, now yeah. you got that much swagger, right? What's the retail therapy? What are you buying as therapy yeah, what do you to make yourself a- uh, feel better? And uh, So I'm actually motor. not buying like, you know, typical things like purse and clothes. It's actually groceries. Um, oh. I don't know what my fetish is with buying Tide and and fruits and vegetables and bread, but it gives me a sense of comfort. I wasn't hungry as a child or anything like that. Um, I just take pride in going in the grocery store. (laughs) Oh, hey, I I like it, too. I used to have a small fear because of Punky Brewster at the beginning. Punky Brewster's left at a grocery store, so I always was like... that's right. I was, so Instacart's good for me. (laughs) I can't worry about getting left by my family at the grocery store anymore. (laughs) So I got that going for me. Hey, Hope, you have... You've had intimate knowledge of the supply chain because you started with a very powerful company at it, Home Depot. Big news with them earlier in the year when they started chartering vessels, getting in front of all this. Can't surprise you. How are your, though, with all this experience you have from Home Depot, how are you helping people at the Hope Depot over at HD White through some of these challenges? How are you setting some of those customer expectations? Yeah, so we've kind of went full steam ahead in the dredge business, uh, pulling Mm -hmm. containers out of Savannah Port. We're doing very well with that. Um, and then now we've added um, storage services full on now. Um, we've had about two customers reach out to us recently to acquire our entire site to kind of assist with some of the um, congestion that's going on in the port area. Yeah. So, so Hope, how are you maintaining those relationships with the, yeah. with, with the port through this difficult time uh, or, or with your customers as far as the difficulties getting in and out of the ports and the delays that are going on? So it's definitely keeping consistent communication. Um, We definitely explain to our customers what we can do and what we can't do. Um, I think that's one of the biggest issues over in um, containers is that most of our counterparts are over committing, um, just like maybe on truckload side. But um, on the container side, we just make make sure we keep a consistent relationship with our clients where they understand what we can do and what we can't do. And that's kind of been very beneficial for us um, here recently. Realistic expectations, right? 
Sure. I would imagine. Absolutely. I would imagine in these days you probably get calls from people who said, yeah, I called these other people. They said they could do it this fast and they're full of it. Nobody can do it that fast. Give me some realism. Well, that's why I like that the marketing is it's getting to, to the consumer level, the marketing. Because sometimes like I like the, you can talk about supply chain all you want. But if you wrap it in a bow of supply chain, there's only certain people who are going to listen to you. Yeah. So I like when, you know, the retail companies let their customers know or Wall Street Journal, whoever, because that tends to wake up some of the C-suite, sure. too, who makes these overarching decisions. You know, we have talked to a gentleman from Montana and a gentleman from Chicago about Dre recently. What is the Southeast market in Dre like? Is it as bad as up there or a little bit easier getting in and out? Um, so we don't have as many challenges. I mean, it's definitely about an hour to two hours, depending on if you get in a porch chassis. Sometimes it's four hours, depending on the length of chassis that you're getting in and out uh, turn time. Um, but right now, with us having our own equipment, our guys are a little bit about 45 minutes to an hour getting in and out. So we're, we're doing pretty good here. Um, the, the Savannah Port has not faced as many challenges as some of their counterparts like Long Beach and Houston. Um, but right now, we're we're doing pretty good. Yeah, they're growing over there, too. Didn't they just welcome one of their largest ships, I think, over there in, in Savannah recently? I think there's been a lot of dredging yeah. on the on the East Coast going yeah. on. Uh, I know Boston, I, I yeah. wrote about that recently, but I know down um, down along the south, Southeast as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has yeah. to be because New York is bringing in bigger and bigger ships, and if you want them to run down the coast or you want the Panama vessels to run up the coast, you have to be able to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, one, one call is not going to work, yeah, right? Not really, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work that way. Yeah. What, so, hey, what's going on with Reefer on Reefer? How's that growing? How's What's going on? On, uh, what's going on with that business? <laughs> well, we're we actually going to move a little weight at the end of the month. It's harvest season. Um, so we're coming up on moving some weight at the end of the month here. Looking forward to picking those back up. Um, but that's still consistent business as well for us. Yeah. Now, Hope, how about the community? You've always done a great job of bringing together other other females, other people of color uh, together in, in leadership, especially in that Southeast area uh, that's transferred to a virtual world during the pandemic. How you've been keeping up with your friends and network and building? Has, uh, has it been enhanced throughout this time? Absolutely. It definitely has been enhanced. Uh, two of my uh, very good partners there is SJW Trucking out of Atlanta and Supreme Transportation out of Atlanta, both who are in warehousing. Uh, we've partnered on some really large projects here when it comes to dredge and warehousing to kind of help with supply chain. Um, I'm still doing some teaching. I'm not doing as much, but I'm more so in the con- consultation space at this time, um, but still doing our courses. Um, and the last thing that we did to kind of bring everybody together was a student day. Uh, which we had June 4th here in Metter, because you haven't talked to me since then, Dooner, but we had a student day where we brought in over 220 uh, mentees of mine um, and gave them warehouse tours and cross-docking experience and then brought some other supply chain professionals in to kind of give them a better experience as small entrepreneurs coming into logistics of what to expect. What, what 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 was their takeaway? Were they horrified, or did, did it seem like they, they <laughs> did might they like run this screaming? <laughs> well, you know, when you choose this profession, you know, a lot of people choose it for the wrong reason. They choose it for the money aspect of it, but really don't get a, a clear understanding of how much work it is um, surrounding the business. Um, and so, I think my students were very much enlightened. Um, they got a more realistic approach of what to expect out of this business and what you have to give in order to get back. Yeah, it's kind of that double-edged sword, right? People look at it and think that it's simple, and so they jump into it for for the wrong reasons. And other people look at it as simple and don't get into it because they don't think it's going to be challenging enough when it's really a very interesting and challenging and rewarding uh, industry, as I've found. Sure thing. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. 
Now, Hope, it's Truck Driver Appreciation Week. What would you like to say to those Dre drivers out there? Oh, baby. Listen, Dre drivers, <laughs> just hold the line. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. Um, please, please, please continue to do what you do. Um, we know some of the challenges that you face daily are completely out of your control. It seems like we're just putting more on your shoulders versus being very appreciative of what you do. But we are so grateful for you guys. You're kind of in, in a sense, the first line uh, when it comes to supply chain, because you're getting those box out boxes out and into the next location. So we're so grateful and thankful to you guys. Please travel safe and take your time. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Hey, hey. Little cowbell for her. Send her the wheel. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here with her. We'll get to our final news after that. Dealer's choice, my friend. All right, I got one for her, and I think this is a good one. Let's talk about the logistics of Spiderweb. So if Spider-Man saved Atlanta from a major crime, do you think that Spider-Man should have to clean up all of his webs afterwards? (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Who want to clean up all that mess? (laughs) Well, he saved the city. I mean, that's going to be his argument. He's the only one who knows where he he spun those webs, so he should be the one to go back and get it. Okay, I like it. Be like Incredibles when they get you know upset with Mr. Incredible because he destroys buildings and stuff like that. Well, why is it? He should clean up though, Hope, right? Like a regular human would get fatigued and trying to get up to all those things. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's true. Why are we talking about Bruce Wayne? Why are we talking about Spider Man? Oh, because he's like a regular guy, so he might need some help and he might need some budgeting. That's right. She really thought this one out. All right. Oh, Bruce Wayne never (laughs) leaves a wealth. Depends on who you ask. I hope. uh, Where do people (laughs) reach out to get more information? Absolutely. They can follow us on Twitter, Twitter at HD underscore LLC or our website at www.hdwhitelogistics.com or on IG at HD White Logistics. Thank you very awesome. much. Thanks, Hope. Hey, maybe they could ask the Joker. He made a pencil disappear in that, that Batman. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, he certainly did. Head on the thing. All right, a little good news, bad news. <laughs> <laughs> bad news and good news. All right. Oh, we got one. We got a video, a video daily double to kick us off. Let's take a look at this. So this happened. A semi. <laughs> look at this semi truck. He's sitting at this light, right? Oh, BMW oh, just comes out of that? nowhere. So and look, if you look at how fast this BMW is going, this is a truck that's doing the dash cam footage, right? Yeah. So this this BMW, I guess he he wants to go right. He doesn't want to wait for either of these drivers. He flies right through them, right <laughs> past them. Tries to skin the cat. He doesn't skin the cat. The cat. No. The cat skins. Him, this truck driver, he's getting out of his truck. If you're watching the video version, if you haven't seen the video version, he's checking his shows, side because the guy grazed him, right? Yeah, look, I mean, he's he's probably got some, something to report, and he's probably he's like, what the heck? That car was trying to hit what was it, 82 miles an hour to go back to the future? Well, this BMW driver, which is he could go back to the future <laughs> and not have driven right underneath that vehicle. And a pedestrian walking down the street, and this guy's like, what is going what on? Is in his sideways here? over here. Well, I think we're about to see his blinker uh, still on though, man. He had his blinker on the first time you'd see one on a bmw too confirming that they do work but first you have Check to get out. stuck what's this underneath this guy's what's like this? What's, oh here he comes look at that Ta-da. lazarus man so yeah lazarus man pops out from underneath his he's alive <laughs> under there somehow um stewart the person who posted this video on facebook said what an idiot wait for it the bmw by the way the driver of the bmw walked away watched to the end you'll see him exit the car from the right yeah wild yeah, no, he does come on. It's like a clown. I mean, because that car afterwards. Look at, that, look at these pictures. Oh, yeah, there Shouldn't it is. the guy walked out of there? That man lived. 
there's your superhero right there. And now that costs more than it did new off the lot because of used car prices and the chip shortage. <laughs> yeah, can you get to salvage the chips out of that thing? Right, hey, man, good news. Drone delivery is now available in your area, Dooner. Wow. All right. Well. For the purposes of this yes. good news, bad news it is. But according to, the bad news is according to new research paper, uh, uh, drones, <laughs> research paper, sorry, not paper drones. They would not drones do are, well. yeah, Drones are going to get a lot. The, the, the problem is weather. Yeah. They got to be looking at the weather. The research says that the common drones featured an, uh, an operational temperature range of 32 degrees Fahrenheit to 104 degrees, right? Okay. And 22 miles per hour. Uh, wind what? resistance wind? is what is what okay. that is. But when you put that into perspective of time of day and everything else, yeah. it means that they're going to be incredibly limited to what was worldwide for common drones, like 8.7% of the yeah. day that they could actually be, be flying because of the weather delays that are, when you get out of sight, you don't know what the weather there is within this this valley or that valley and that type of stuff. So they're going to be very difficult because looking at the weather guy, trying to look at these things, 5,000 feet down is the satellites can't see down that far and see what the weather is going to be, the weather that is going to be there locally. So we don't have a ton of data. There's a data desert right. within 5,000 5, feet down to uh, maybe about 100 feet above That's Earth. Exactly right? right. So like mountain ranges and stuff. We're not doing a ton of wind testing. You've got it on like buildings and things like that, but how are they going to... In valleys, etc. 32 to 104 sounds like a pretty wide range. Until Go outside and set up the sun with your, with your iPad or your iPhone and see how quickly it tells you that uh, you got to get it out of some sunlight. So that 104 degrees, that's, you could get up to that like 70 degree weather because of the sunlight on you. And 32 degrees, you can get much lower lower than that, or you can get shade. that temperature at a much higher degree because of, of the wind speed and the wind, wind temperature. 22 miles per hour, also not very fast. Not extremely fast at all. It's going to be tough to deliver a lot of stuff with this. A lot of stuff that, that I, some people try to pitch us and promise us, I, I think especially food delivery, is just going to be such a challenge. Like, how are you going to deliver a pizza? I just don't get it. Well, yeah, well, that's your, your biggest thing is the pizza, right? I just don't see how it's going to deliver I a pizza. I don't see it either. Without, all right, well... Look, everything has been challenged in the supply chain, and here's the bad news. Even firefighting logistics are facing extreme congestion and shortages due to both a lack of capacity and the COVID-19 pandemic. Serious long-term droughts, along with these triple-digit heat waves and very low humidity this summer, have made the jobs of firefighters much more challenging. And we've had some massive, massive ones, like the Calador yes, fire have. up in California. That's eating up over 2,000 acres a day. Yeah. Um, Zeph Cunningham, he's a logistics sector chief of the Caldor Fire, he told FreightWaves that the Forest Service has a history of robust mobilization, but this has challenged them like never before. And here's how all these things compound. Just like they compound in freight, you lose a day on okay. your vessel schedule, extra congestion. You can't get two extra ships unloaded, extra congestion would pour us at anchor. Well, same thing yeah. happens in fire, right? Typically, they can mobilize enough resources, engines, and helicopters, enough of those gentlemen within the first 24 to 48 hours, but with shortages of people, it's now taking over 72 hours, but it's not just shortages of people, of of people, as Biden just said in his thing, there's even a shortage of fire hoses. So these yeah, guys, the equipment, they don't have the equipment. These are raging and getting positioning, not just equipment, the human equipment, the human capital has been a big challenge as well with flight delays, mm. cancellations, cars, as they mentioned, a hard time getting cars to move these folks around to fight these fires. So just another uh, big challenge. Is there good news there? Um, I, they're sending some federal management they're, over oh, that yeah, way. They're, yeah, they're spending some more money and trying to get these ho uh, hoses out there in federal, in federal we got that. management. But, yeah, and we're almost out of fire season. That's also good news. 
Here's some other good news, man. Uh, we are short on ocean capacity, which isn't the good news. Yes. But the reinforcements are here, man. We okay. You mentioned this earlier a little bit. The Ever Ace. Evergreen has brought in the Ever Ace, uh, and it's off her maiden voyage. Now, this thing carries 23,992 TEUs. So you're trying to say that the world's largest container ship, the Ever Ace, holds 23,992 TEUs. That's exactly right. And, and it has now hit it, and it oh. has gone through the Suez Canal. There's your free. There's some really good news, man. There it right? is. Well, that should help capacity. Capacity, right? Absolutely, it will. But no, not really. That's oh. the bad news. Is the capacity is not the problem. The problem isn't the capacity on the ships. It's the getting them through the ports. Right, according to Bimco and Alpha Liner, capacity over the past year on the global trade routes has exploded. Far East to Europe trade has risen nineteen point seven percent to five point two five million TEU. So capacity from the East to North America trade has increased by thirty point six percent. Right, so it's already congested. And adding bigger container ships on here. Probably not going to be the solution that sure. we're all looking for. So if you got 56 on there, you can cut that down to 30 container ships by having gigantic ships, but it's yeah. the same amount of containers that have to be moved off the ship. Exactly right. Yeah, so exactly. it doesn't really matter because you're still no. going to face the same bottleneck. It'll help yeah. if you go to other ports. Still got I, the same valve on I your I did hose. notice they ran a speedboat next to this boat as it went through the Suez Canal. You think they had some? They were going to toss someone overboard if you got stuck? You know, you bring like a family member with you or something. <laughs> like, yeah, he gets stuck. We're throwing you over the edge. Hey, you guys drive alongside and keep and bounce on him. If they get near the edge, just kind of nudge them back over. <laughs> Take a look at this fire. Take a look at this fire right here. An 18-wheeler. This? this is bad news. An 18-wheeler hit the Ooh. Jersey wall of the George Bush exit earlier this morning. It sent debris across all lanes of the highway and exit ramp. Like I think we have like three of these. Let's keep going through them. They're terrible looking. And um, all the axles, as you can see, they're sheared off the, the tractor sure. and the trailer. Hazmat teams were en route to clean that up. That looks terrible, right? Probably oh, my gosh. Lost a couple yeah, look, people the in that axles. One. You can see them laying over there on the side of the road. Yep. You know me, when um, I show something that awful, usually good news because there's no fatalities. No fatalities. A little cowbell for that, oh, even yeah. though awful accident. No fatalities. Nice. So the guy, the guy got out of there. Somehow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Here's some good news, man. They figured out what sank the Golden Ray in September 2019. You remember the oh, Golden Ray? Yeah, yeah. It was a Roro, right? Yeah, it was a yeah. Roro. Yeah, yeah. That sunk. It was loaded with around 4,200 cars. And the report by the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board estimates the incident cost losses of $204 million. Right? Yeah, so what happened here is the guy, he forgot to put the thing in the computer properly. He did the math he, wrong. He did the math wrong. Yeah, he, did the he got math the information wrong. and added it into the ballast leveler, and he was off by what, fifteen hundred tons or something like and that. He put the math in wrong, and he left the door open <laughs> the at door water open. level as well. So, yeah, automatic doors and maybe a computer system that you don't have to take information from one to the other and put it in a spreadsheet and fat finger would help. Hey, this just sounds like bad news. According to CNBC, lab-grown woolly mammoths could walk the earth in six years. If geneticists new startup, how is that bad? That sounds awesome. No, have you seen? Have you seen Jurassic Park? I mean, that's the that's the worst news. Uh, the reason these guys are dead. Look at this band right yeah, here. There though. you go. These guys are. Legit. I would have Ron Lentz would hang their vinyl on the wall. Uh, but those woolly mammoths there. So they're saying that these guys are going to put them all over the Arctic, right? Uh, lo and behold, Solid right plan. there. And somehow they're going to uh, keep the permafrost from melting by stepping on it, and it's going to let reduce carbon emit. Like that's their angle. On these woolly mammoths. There I don't know. Go, We're out of here. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. You can find him at Michael Vincent the Dude. Catch you next week. You know it. Peace and love, everyone. Spread it, everyone.